With the second pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Carson Wentz, quarterback, North Dakota State. Welcome, everybody, to the Wiz Wit Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Stefano, giving you the news from the best sports city in the world, Philadelphia. Thank you guys for tuning in to the debut. Um, this is crazy. This is out of my wheelhouse. Uh, One-man show. I've had a lot of success with my wrestling podcast that I formerly did um, where I had co-hosts. The rant that I do, which is a general topic podcast, I always have co-hosts. I always have something to play off of. This is me, one-man one microphone, a bunch of topics, a lot of talking. But this show will be going live eventually once I get all the kinks worked out so you can be um, part of the show. You can be interactive. You can talk to me. I think that's how the show is going to go. I know for a fact I'll be live after every single Eagles game unless it's a night game because i got to work the next day, but I'll go live the next day. Um, And I want to get calls. I want to get people to call in, debate, celebrate, scream, pull their hair out, whatever the Eagles season leads to. Um, If this show is bringing you entertainment during this crazy time, um, I just want to thank you for joining in, and I hope you smile and laugh during it, and I hope you you can debate with me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, follow at the WizWitPod, because it's crazy right now. There's no sports going on. The only thing going on is NFL free agency. Um, And that's going to be a big part of the show tonight is NFL free agency. Because there's a lot of former Eagles leaving. No Eagles are really coming in. There's no new Eagles. Um, maybe one or two so far. It is Wednesday night. I just saw the contract Malcolm Jenkins got. I just saw Chris Harris go to the Chargers. So a lot of names are off the board. And we're going to talk about that. So let's get into it. Let's get into the Eagles news free agency. Now, as we know. I'm a big Jason Peters fan. Love the bodyguard. I'm going to miss him. I understood that move. I understood why you had to get rid of Jason Peters. He's aging. Um, the money he was demanding, it just wasn't worth it. you got to get younger at that position. you got to develop a future. You know, you have a quarterback in his prime. Let's protect him. Let's get someone young that he can grow with. And I, I agree with that. Sproles retiring. I get Corey Clement. He might be back. They were going to give him like it was he was two or three million dollar option. He wasn't going to get that being injured last year. And when he played, he wasn't that good. So I get why they didn't sign, sign him back. But like the, the Malcolm Jenkins thing, right? The Malcolm 
Jenkins, let's say the debacle, right? Because Malcolm Jenkins was the leader of this defense. Malcolm Jenkins is someone I thought the Eagles would work something out with. Now, obviously, obviously I know he didn't want the to pick up the option. He didn't want to play under the contract. He wanted more guaranteed money, and I understand that the guy has proven that he's the most consistent thing on defense. Um, and I'll go over numbers later. Right now, I just want to shoot from the hip and shoot with emotion. I think you can't replace a guy like Malcolm Jenkins. And if the Eagles look back at their history, they did the same thing with the greatest Eagle of all time, Brian Dawkins. What did Dawkins do? Two years in a row, he went to Denver and made the Pro Bowl. He was still an elite defender for a couple seasons. Yes, he fell off. And I get that that Malcolm Jenkins has three, four good years left. Two probably great, and then two okay, and then he'll start declining. But right now, we have nothing in the secondary. What do we have in the secondary? We have a couple nice players. Avante Maddox is a nice player, right? Sidney Jones is coming along, right? Jalen Mills brings us that swagger. I like that 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 they re-signed him. But what do we have that's better than Malcolm Jenkins? The answer is nothing, Okay. That's the answer. Malcolm Jenkins was looking upward of twelve to thirteen million dollars a year. He just signed with the Saints, so this is what I don't get, right? This, how do you let the guy walk for this? And I know sixteen million guaranteed is a lot. Eight million a year, four years, thirty-two million dollars, sixteen of it guaranteed. You got to pay Alshon Jeffrey a bunch of money, and the guy doesn't get on the field. You got to pay Malcolm Jenkins. I'm sorry. You got you pay for leadership. You pay so someone like Jalen Mills can learn under him. Yes, eventually it has to be Jalen Mills' position. But y- right now, nobody's coming to us. Let's go over Malcolm Jenkins' stats real quick. Malcolm Jenkins arrived in Philadelphia in 2014. He played 6,818 of the 6,908 total defensive snaps. That's 98.7%. Of the regular season and the playoffs. Three-time Pro Bowler. Three times. Great defender. Great leader. Great for the community. Malcolm Jenkins was was the closest thing to Brian Dawkins that the Eagles are probably ever going to have. Someone who brought intensity, brought emotion, made the guys around him better. Yes, where there are a few chinks in the armor. I'm not going to sit here and say Malcolm Jenkins is perfect. All right, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say Malcolm Jenkins, you know, deserved to get the 13 million. I'm just saying, looking at what's happening and how this is unraveling right now. And it, granted, it's Wednesday night. A lot can change. What? What do we got? What? Chris Harris just signed with the Chargers. What? Who are we getting? Trufant's not signing with us. Who are we getting? If, if you're trading for Slay, okay, I'm cool. You want to call Detroit and trade for Slay, get a young corner, a ball hawk, someone's going to go up and get the ball? Let's do it. I'm down. I would love that move. I love Slay. Malcolm Jenkins, though, he, how do you let a guy like that walk? I just don't get it. Um, I know a lot of people can debate me on that, and that's fine. I respect everyone's opinion, and I personally think that there's some great opinions out there on Malcolm Jenkins. It's just seeing and knowing what he just got from the Saints 10 minutes before I went on air has me kind of bamboozled. Like, why couldn't we give him that? 
That's a leader. That's a leader in the locker room. That's a teacher. That's a veteran. That's someone who's going to keep that defense together. That is the glue to our defense. Yes, Fletcher Cox is our best player. Malcolm Jenkins was the leader of that defense. How are they going to replace him? Maybe a guy like Jalen Mills. Jalen Mills resigned for one year, $5 million. He's going to play hybrid safety and corner. I always thought Mills would be better at the safety position. Mills is someone who likes to be physical, would like to play press coverage and push up against each other, but a lot of times would bite on the double move, and if the receiver was big and physical enough, he would get bullied aside. At safety, he is probably one of the best tacklers on our team, and he's one of the hardest hitters on our team, so I like that position. It gives him like a running start where he doesn't have to worry about the double move that much. He's still got to worry about it, but it lets him get in better position. He can't be as physical with his hands, which is going to be a learning curve for him because he is very physical off the line. But I like the re-signing of Jalen Mills. I feel like when he came back from injury last year, that defense got a swagger about him. And yes, he is someone who gets burnt. But the one thing I like about Jalen Mills, he will make one bad play. He will get burnt and then he will make a great play instantly. He is someone that has that instinct that he can just forget that that play where he got burnt happened and now he's back in the game he doesn't get down on himself he is always cocky he's always confident and that is the kind of guy that I like as a defensive back a guy that I thought that was going to be gone I thought he was going to be way gone is Ronnie McLeod um he just resigned for two years 12 million so let's do the math on this they two years 12 million Jalen Mills one year five million you got two players for what Malcolm Jenkins got guaranteed and I get that. And I, and that's how I'm looking at it is how he's saving some money. But what are you saving money for? I mean, Stefan Diggs was out there. You didn't trade for him. Hopkins was out there. Didn't trade for him. Are you trading for OBJ? Who are you bringing in? I know you're, you like the, the receiver from Alabama, but are you going to be able to move up to draft him? There's a lot of question marks right now, um, especially on the wide receiver side of the ball. I think wide receiver, defensive back, we are hurting, and we need to figure something out because that is the weakness of our team. And I think there's more talent at the receiver. Um, we have Jeffrey, who I know he's declining, hurt his leg, probably not going to come back till halfway through the season. Still an okay option. Deshaun Jackson, hopefully he comes back healthy. We saw Wentz with Jackson. If you have someone that can stretch the field, Wentz will get him the ball. I mean, Greg Ward was probably the best receiver we had because he actually went up and got the ball. Uh, we don't have to worry about Nelson Aguilar anymore. So we got a lot of we got a lot of holes to fill, especially with Jeffrey, who they're trying to get rid of, but I don't think anyone's eating that contract. Um, if Deshaun comes back, you have Deshaun and Greg Ward. And J.J. Uh, Arcega-Whiteside, who I think... He didn't show me much last year. I think that was a, a bad second-round pick, but we'll see. You know, jury's still out on him. But defensively, what are, what are you doing? I know that you beefed up the front line, which is awesome. I'm all for the pass rush. But the problem is if the pass rush doesn't get there, as we saw last year, if the pass rush doesn't get there, you have nobody that can cover. Um, near, we have good players. I think Sidney Jones is kind of proving to be what we thought he was going to be. And if as he gets healthier from the Achilles injury, you know, he's a young guy. He will get better, and maybe he will develop into a number one corner. But it's a—I get that we're young, and Wentz is twenty-seven years old. It's a win-now mentality for me. You have 
a top 10 quarterback. I won't say top five. I'm a Wentz apologist. I know. I love Carson Wentz. I'll put him in the top five quarterbacks in the league. But let's say top 10 for, for the city of Philadelphia, right? You have Carson Wentz in his prime. And he had zero weapons last year besides Ertz and Goddard. Miles Sanders was nice. He had a rookie and two tight ends. And receivers who we didn't even know of before the year. And he broke records passing. He got us to the playoffs, and then he got knocked out by a dirty hit. But if you give this guy weapons, we saw what he did with Deshaun Jackson. Why are we not investing in this guy? And the pass rush is great, and the defense will be, that. that's great. Let's play some defense. But let's get someone who can take the goddamn ball away. If you get someone who can take the ball away and put it in Carson Wentz's hand, we'll probably score. I You know, but one move that I do like, and I do like that they beefed up the line, um... I don't know what it means for Malik Jackson. I think he has one year, and then I think he's gone. Um, but that's fine because we have Javon Hargrave, who coming over from the Pittsburgh Steelers, $39 million, um for three years, $13 million a year, 17 sacks, 90 run stops, and 94 QB hurries in four seasons. The stats are there. You're going to put him next to Fletcher Cox, maybe sometimes have him, Malik, and Cox on the line. Holy God, I do not want to be blocking that. I don't want to be a quarterback looking at that. But you got to get pressure, and hopefully they do, and hopefully Schwartz finds a way to get pressure. Um, last year, that was a problem for us. I mean, I think Brandon Graham was our best pass rusher last year. I think Fletcher Cox came on at the end. I didn't see a lot from the beginning. I didn't see a lot from the defense at the beginning all season. Um, but that this is this is a huge signing. The guy's coming over from the Steelers. I didn't get to watch a lot of Steelers game. I've watched some tape on this guy. Monster. Fits our scheme. Fits what we do. We want big Tough dudes on the front line. He provides that. I applaud that signing. It came out of nowhere. Very Howie Roseman signing where it's just like, here he is. This is what we're going with. Um, I like it. I like it. And I think that we're going to have to uh, to shore up the, the linebacker position, shore up the safety position, unless you're going with Mills and McLeod. And if that's the case, get a corner. If we can do these and we can accomplish this, I have no doubt that we'll be a playoff team. Um, we need playmakers too, though. So let's go over to the other side of the ball. We lose Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard signs with Miami. We uh we haven't done anything offensively. Um, Corey Clement's gone. So I like Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. I think that's fine. We need a power back. We need someone who... And Boston Scott was great near the goal line. But I want someone like... When we won the Super Bowl, we had LeGarrette Blunt, and he was just a bruiser. Someone that's going to beat up the defense. We need that, and I think Jordan Howard provided that a little bit. He was a tougher runner than Sanders. I think Sanders is going to be one of the top running backs in the league. Um, there's there's rumors that LaShawn McCoy comes back, but again, that's McCoy's a little bit close to Sanders, and Boston Scott's kind of your Sproles guy. I'd rather have a big body. Um, I know Melvin Gordon's out there. You're not going to pay him when you have Miles Sanders, but someone of that stature where he's just going to run through you and run over you. Um, I think that that's what we we need, especially near the goal line. It makes us more dangerous to use our tight ends um, with the play action because you have to fear it. And, you know, Doug loves his play action, and so does Carson. So I think, you know, getting a power back would help. But the receiver thing is what I'm stuck on. Receivers, corners. We've said it. Receivers, corners. That's what we need. That's what we said since the beginning. That's what you've told me on Facebook. That's what I've read on Twitter. That's what my friends have told me. And we literally have done 
Zero. Now let me check the phone. I'm going to check the phone live, and maybe maybe something great has happened, but probably not. Let's go to Adam Schefter and see if the Eagles have done anything. Um, it's been a disappointing offseason for me. I'm a big, I'm a big Howie fan. I love what he did, um, but I just don't see anything happening now. You know, as we know, uh, Nick Foles. Nick Foles has left. Nick Foles went to to Jacksonville. Now he's gotten traded to um to the Bears. So I he might win that starting job over Mitch. But Foles is Foles is back in the NFC, so we we get to see him maybe. Um, but let let's 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 get off the Eagles and let's let's talk about we'll talk about needs in the draft next week because we're not going to have this going on next week. Maybe we'll see who they get. Are they going to get a receiver? Are they going to get a corner? Are they going to get uh, rugs in the draft? I think the receiver from Bama, maybe. I would like that. Are you going to trade up? What are you What are you giving up to get up? You got to get up to thirteen to get him. We're at like twenty one, I think. What are you going to get? What, what are you going to give up? We'll see. Let's get into baseball. The Philly spring training, as we know, is postponed as everything is during this crazy time. But I want to go over a little bit, and it's not going to be long. I'm going to try to keep the show 30 to 45 minutes. Um, so I don't, I don't want to be the podcast that's on for two hours unless I have a guest in studio, and then we can talk for an hour. But no one wants to hear me talk for an hour. Let's just be real. So let's talk about the Philly spring training talk. The Eagles got my blood pressure up a little bit there. I'm excited for the season, but baseball is next, hopefully. Um what improvements do I like to see? Well, I already I already see improvements in the Phillies. I think I like I like the move of giving Scott Kingery like a, a, a actual position. I think he played the 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 role player great, where he's just a utility. Like you're here, you're here. I like that, and I think he he flourished in that, and he was great. But let's get the guy a position. So they're putting him at second, and that's fine with me because they're moving Segura. Over to third, and then as we know, like Franco's gone, and Kingery was at third, but Kingery's going to be at second. Now we got DD at shortstop, guy who who has power. I like that signing. You know, it's for a year. Let's see. What, it's kind of a show me contract. That's good. Um, I think Kingery is going to be a great, great second baseman. I think you know, let him get settled in the position, let him learn the position. Listen, my favorite player of all times, Alfonso Soriano. Horrible defender. If he could play second base, I, I'm very, very, very confident in uh, Kingery. So we got Kingery, we got DD, and we got Segura with Hoskins at first, rounding out our infield with the best catcher in baseball, JT Romuto. The big thing I see is Andrew McCutcheon will be back. And I think that gives us a little bit more depth. And I, I like Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce was fun when he came in. He was hitting the fucking ball crushing it right but what i i need is more i guess average a better average a better on base percentage a better you know runner on the ba- a base runner like i need someone who can who can get to second and you know and then get to home off a single i need that and that's andrew mccutcheon and i know mccutcheon is is a little bit over the hill he's not the pittsburgh pirates andrew mccutcheon but he was hitting the ball well he was he was playing well and then he got hurt out for the year, very early in the season. Um, but Andrew McCutcheon coming back, I think then he will take the leadoff role maybe. I always thought Segura would be the leadoff role, but now they're experimenting with Romuto in the leadoff role. 
they don't really know who's going to be their leadoff hitter. But that's fine because we got Girardi now, and we don't have to worry about Gabe Kapler saying well, this guy hits 18% fastballs as a leadoff, so we got about him third. It's a stupid number game, whatever. But um, we also need Rice, or, uh, Reese Hoskins to step up. Reese Hoskins last year, I feel like he got a, a free pass from the city of Philadelphia. It's funny, a city that shit on Ryan Howard for years and didn't like Ryan Howard for years, loves Reese Hoskins. And I, and I like Hoskins. I think he's a good ball player. But the guy batted under 250. Um, he did have some home runs. Well, he had like 32 last year. But he, I felt like I always wanted more. And I felt like he would hit two home runs in a game that were up 8-1 to one already. And there was no clutch. There was no, there was no big hits, I felt. I felt his year was very just cookie cutter. And... I expect more from that guy. That guy is one of our leaders. That guy is one of our best ball players. Can he bounce back? I have faith he can. I think it was a weird year last year, but we need Hoskins to hit the ball better, hit for a better average, um, hit the same amount of home runs or more, and most importantly, just, you know, Harper had a lot of doubles. Get Harper home. Hit the ball. Let Bryce Harper get from second to home. Let McCutcheon get from second to home. Segura get from second to home. Hit the ball. Put the ball in play. And that's what we need Hoskins to do. Again, I have faith in that guy. I think he's a great ball player. Um, I just think that we need him to really step up as one of the one of the leaders on the team stat-wise. We need him to have one of those years where, and as of the city, I'm surprised we gave him such a free pass. But, hey, we like the guy. He's a likable guy. Um this is my this is my my Homer pick Homer pick of the week. If you want to hit a button or me to get a soundboard, that's fine. Um, I think Bryce Harper is going to win NL MVP this year. I think Bryce Harper is going to have a breakout season. I think you're going to see him bat near 278 to 285. I think he's going to hit 40 home runs. I think the Phillies are going to win 90 games. Um, but maybe maybe he hits higher than 285. But I think you're going to see his average come back up. You're going to see the pop in his bat at spring training. This team was killing the ball. Bryce Harper looked great. Um, and then, of course, with this crazy virus, it ended it. Um, but if he can get into the swing of things, he's a very streaky hitter. When he's hot, he's red hot. And I think he can. I The second half of the year last year, he was unbelievable. You know, a lot of people got on him. Oh, he's not worth the 23. Look at the contracts that baseball are giving out now. Bryce Harper's deal. I don't want to call it a steal for 13 years, but I would do it 10 out of 10 times just from the merchandising alone as a business. But as a fan base, he gets us excited. He's a very likable guy, which was crazy because him being in Washington, we always, I always thought he was like portrayed as like the douchebag and he's been nothing but a class act, a leader for the city on and off the field. Bryce Harper is going to win and now MVP. That is my prediction. That's my homer pick of the week. Now, when you talk about the Phillies, what is the big things the Phillies have lacked? Pitching. Yes, pitching. Um, relief pitching, starting pitching, pitching in general. Right? It's been it's been a long time since we had Halliday, Lee, Hamels, Oswald gone, right? <laughs> Those years are gone. But we do have Aaron Nola. And we do have uh Arietta, Jake Arietta. And maybe Arietta will be better. We know that he didn't like Gabe Kapler's way of managing. Gabe rarely let people work out of stuff. Um, fourth, fifth inning, you're bringing in middle relievers. That's not going to win you games in, in baseball. You need starters that can go to distance. You need to let your starters try to get out of some of the jams they're in. 
And I think that uh, Arietta's going to have a good year. Um, Wheeler, you know, Zach Wheeler, we got him from the Mets. He looked awesome in spring training. That gives you two number twos. So now you have Nola and then two strong number twos with Wheeler and Arietta. I'm not too sure what the bullpen's going to be. They st- the bullpen's like a revolving door. But I do think that we need to make sure our starters go the distance. With our starters going the distance, you don't have to rely on a bullpen. Now, I don't think our bullpen was too terrible um, given what they had to do with Gabe Kapler. I'm not a Gabe Kapler guy. I'll tell you that right now. I think his um, analytics were stupid. And the way he shook up the lineup was stupid. The way that he didn't let pitchers work through things. They never got their momentum. They never got into a game. It's like, you're in trouble. This guy bats 300 against people in trouble. You're out. I hated that. I hated it. It drove me nuts as a Phillies fan to the point sometimes I shut off the game because what are you doing? But I'm not a baseball manager, but I'm damn sure proud we have Girardi taken over. Um, I think the bullpen needs to... to, to be better this year, but I think I I need my starters to go a little bit further into the game, and I think they will this year um, under Joe Girardi. I think he's going to have a different managing style, and I think it's going to work, and I think the Phillies are going to win over 90 games. If not, they're going to win 90 on the dot, um, but I think they'll go over 90 games. I think I think they'll win the East. I do, and I, there's a lot of... The, I'll tell you what, the East is going to be one of the toughest divisions in baseball. You know, you got the World Series champ Nationals, which is weird because no one ever talks about the Nationals, even though they just won the World Series. You have the Braves, who I think are the best team in the division. I think the Phillies can be better than them. If the Phillies can put put it together, everyone get on the same page offensively. There would be nights that Real Muto, who's the best defensive player in the league, also a great um, offensive player, hits home runs, and then uh, Reese and Harper are 0 for 4. Or Harper's 2 for or 3 for 4 or 2 for 4 with 2 home runs, and Hoskins 0 for 4. Real Muto is 1 for 3. And it's like, we need everyone to get on the same page and crush the ball. Um, I know it's hard in baseball, but if we can put it together and get that confidence, there's nights where the Phillies offense, you're like, what team is this? They're scoring like nine, 10 runs. And you're, you're blinking and it's, it's a holy God, what's going on? If they can get into that rhythm and I'm not expecting that every game, but if they can get in that rhythm where their confidence and everything can click at the same time and one or two guys get hot, which is not asking a lot out of nine, you know, nine batters, if one or two guys can get hot for a period, that can carry a, a baseball team. Um, now, you know, the, the saddest part of of this this quarantine besides, you know, sports-wise, let's say the saddest part of, of this sports-wise is that the Philadelphia Flyers were red hot. I mean, one of the hottest Flyers teams I've seen, young, hungry, skating, just Oh, my God. They were skating so well, so fast, putting pressure on the goalie, scoring goals, which scoring goals. Hart had like three losses at home. Like it was just their season was just peaking, much like the Blues, but just like getting hot at the right time. And they put that to an end. I want to talk about the captain of that team, Claude Giroux. When I was thinking about Claude Giroux, I was thinking – is he the most underappreciated athlete in Philadelphia history? I think he's pretty underappreciated in the city. Now, there's Wentz, who's underappreciated. There's Simmons, who's underappreciated. They're young guys. They have a lot to prove. Drew's been consistent, consistent for a decade. But it got me thinking, and I posed this on Facebook, who is the most underrated 
Philadelphia athlete. First name that came up, Andre Iguodala as a sixer. He averaged 15.7 a game, 4.8 assists, 5.8 rebounds. Iggy was a nice player. Iggy was a great defensive player. Iggy didn't have the star power. He didn't have that star persona. He had great stats. NBA, that's borderline all-star stats. I don't think it's anything too special. Nothing like Simmons and Embiid, what we have now. But definitely someone that always brought it, always played well, but he was never enough for the city. He was someone that, um, as a Sixers fan, I was I can take or leave Iggy. He wasn't anything. He wasn't Iverson. You know what I mean? He wasn't that star player. He wasn't LeBron. He wasn't Wade. And that's what we really needed in this city, especially on the basketball team, was a star player. And he just wasn't that. And and, and I think the problem with it was the Sixers tried to pass this guy off as the star. Like They tried to be like, oh, we have Andre Iguodala. And it's like, cool. But they have Chris Bosh. They have Dwayne Wade. And they have LeBron James. But we have Andre Iguodala, okay? He wasn't that kind of star that they wanted him to be. Good player. Above average player. Definitely a great player. But nothing of a star. You know, the stats are nice. Um, He had a couple good, great years. Um, That's his average as a sixer. But I would say, was he underappreciated? Yeah. Was he underrated? I'll say, I don't know. Was he, was Andre Godal underrated? I guess so. I guess. Um, here's a big name on the list. First off, shout out to my buddy, Jonathan Garahan, but, but, but saying Foles, Foles is, is underrated and underappreciated. There's a, there's a statue of the guy outside the link. You walk by a Nick Foles, Super Bowl statue. The guy brought us a Super Bowl. He has a nickname for his penis. That guy, that guy, not underappreciated or underrated. Um, you can't call someone underrated when they've they played the best Super Bowl, one of the best conference championship games a quarterback has ever played. But every time he's not in an Eagles uniform, the guy gets benched. I love Nick Foles. But let's be real here. No, not underappreciated. Not underrated at all. Um, perfectly rated and perfectly appreciated. Nine inch Nick. Let's talk about another Eagles quarterback, not Wentz. You know, I'm gonna I'm a Wentz apologist. I collect Carson Wentz trading cards, folks. You think I'm gonna shit on Carson Wentz ever? Probably not. He's my favorite athlete besides uh Ladanian Tomlinson in NFL history. Carson Wentz is that guy. Love him. Donovan McNabb. I'm someone who definitely underappreciates Donovan McNabb. As we know, he took us to four championship games. Got us to one Super Bowl, which he threw up in a huddle and lost, which everyone will remember. Um, also, the beef with Terrell Owens that broke the Eagles apart during the prime of their, I, I guess you can call it like a mini dynasty of going to conference championships. It's not a dynasty. They didn't win anything. But during their best time in probably franchise history or one of the best times in franchise history, you caused a riff with the receiver who helped get you over the hump. Um but Donovan McNabb, 32,873 yards, 216 touchdowns, 100 interceptions, and an 86.5 QBR. I think the only two people that have had higher quarterback ratings than Donovan McNabb was Nick Foles 
in the couple years that he was here, the one year that he was like 27 and two interceptions. And Carson Wentz is, is the, I think, on top of that leaderboard with like a 95-96. McNabb was someone who had that star power. I think we appreciated him, but as as he couldn't get over the hump, I feel like the the city fell sour on the guy. The guy is up for Hall of Fame contention. He's definitely, you know, the Eagles leader in a lot of categories for now, I will say. Um, but, you know, constantly seeing him, it was the nonchalant attitude. He'd throw a ball at, a, at someone's feet in a meaningful game and hit his chest. The hitting the chest... Or the, I need to do a better job that Andy Reid used to say drives you nuts. But, God, how can you hate a guy that... That was the best time in Eagles history. Besides the one year they won the Super Bowl. We're on a pretty good streak now. Three playoffs in a, three playoff appearances in a row with Super Bowl. Um, but Donovan McNabb took us to four. Got us to a Super Bowl. Was always exciting. Always made the 4th and 26. Felt like he was clutch unless it's the Super Bowl. I think he was underappreciated. I definitely underappreciated him because I was ready for him to go. I was ready for him to go. And who was his backup? Kevin Cobb? I wanted Kevin Cobb to play? I wanted that guy to play. I wanted Kevin Cobb to play over Donovan McNabb. Jesus, what was wrong with me? Luckily, Vic came along and had that good year and Cobb was out. But McNabb, definitely underrated, definitely underappreciated. You talk about Eagles quarterbacks, Jahorski, Cunningham, rightfully so, get credit. Don McNabb, people still don't like him. He still, I mean, he his mouth gets him in trouble. I don't think he's the best at his job announcing um, or being a, a, an analysis on, on TV. But Don McNabb was a great player, a Hall of Fame caliber player. Definitely, definitely underrated. Um, definitely underappreciated. Definitely probably, he's fighting for it on my list. The next guy might be my number one or my number two because Philly fans couldn't wait for this guy to get out of the city. And I don't get why this guy brought us a World Series. This guy won the MVP. This guy won Rookie of the Year. This guy hit 58 home runs in one season while he was healthy. And that is the big piece, Ryan Howard. 2006 MVP from 2006 to 2009. He didn't have any season fewer than 45 home runs and 135 RBI. Under. Not one season. 135 RBI, 45 home runs. 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009. You know how many um, players in history can say they had 45 and 135 in four straight seasons. You want to know? His company, Babe Ruth and Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa couldn't pass a piss test. Okay? So, Babe Ruth and Ryan Howard, right? In 2008, Howard had a 410 on base percentage in the NLDS and NLCS, then hit three home runs in the World Series. Three. In a series. In 2009, he hit 278 in the playoffs and drove in 17 runs in 15 games. Ryan Howard, he couldn't hit a slider. Okay, I'm with you. Don't throw him a curveball. Throw him a fastball, please. What Ryan Howard did and what the shift, the infield shift took away from Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard's a 300 hitter if the shift doesn't exist. 
Yes, he didn't hit the curveball well. Yes, after he tore his Achilles, being a 275-pound man, he wasn't the same. But Ryan Howard, for a period of time, was the best athlete in Philadelphia. And we could love Chase Utley all we want. And I love Chase, right? Ryan Howard was better than Chase Utley during that time. Ryan Howard was one of the best players in baseball during that time. And we could not wait for Ryan Howard to leave. We were mad at Ryan Howard not being able to hit a curveball, even though the guy was still hitting over 250, which Hoskins didn't last year, but he gets a pass, right? With 30-plus home runs and 100-plus RBI every season, even after tearing his Achilles until his final year. But we, we didn't want him anymore. Phil, we wanted to move on. And to me, that's asinine. But Ryan Howard also came up when he was 26. Imagine the years we lost with Ryan Howard. Of course, we had Tommy, and I love Jim Tomey. But Ryan Howard lost so many years, he came up at 26. So from the age of 26 to 30, the guy had four straight seasons of 45 and 135. Mind-blowing. Do people appreciate Howard now? Yes, now he's not on the team. He's retired. He's in the city. Yes, I think people have found an appreciation for Ryan Howard. Don't think. I don't remember every person shitting on Ryan Howard when he was struggling. Um, yeah, did did the, the I think the whole team was held on too too long. Utley, Rollins, Howard. But God forbid, Ryan Howard gave us four of the best seasons of baseball we've ever seen. Probably six great years of baseball, including MVPs, World Series, All Star Games, Rookie of the Year. Ryan Howard, get me to the plate, boys. Does anyone remember that against the Rockies? Get me to the plate, boys? Come on. Ryan Howard, definitely a top three most underrated, underappreciated. Here's a guy that I never appreciated, and looking at his stats, I was dumbfounded. Bobby Abreu. Bobby Abreu played in parts of nine seasons with the Phillies from 1998 to 2006, and he's current second second in walks, fourth in doubles, seventh in extra base hits, and stolen bases, 10th in runs scored, 11th in home runs and RBIs, and 14th in hits on the Phillies' all-time leaderboard. There was years where he consistently did 20-20. Bobby Abreu, all I remember from Bobby Abreu, I'm not even going to lie, is the home run derby where he hit like 24. Everyone was like, ah, I love Pat Burrell. It was Bobby Abreu. Bobby Abreu, I think I'm dumbfounded by his stats in Phillies history. Now, Phillies... They're not the best organization in the world. But that's impressive stats for a guy that no one talks about. I think he has his number. Does he have his number retired? Does Bobby Abreu have his number on the Walk of Fame? I think he does. If it's not his number, he has a plaque at least, right? I can't believe Bobby Abreu's numbers. I'm dumbfounded. Bobby Abreu is definitely one of the most underrated. Um, I wasn't huge, huge in baseball during Bobby Abreu. Um, I was. I liked the Phillies. But I also loved Alfonso Soriano. I was following him. Um, so that was a weird time for me. I was young. Um, and then when the Yankees traded Alfonso Soriano, that was pretty much when I was like, oh. Um, but Abreu played in parts of nine seasons with the Phillies. So he nine seasons, right? 11th in home runs and RBI? It's not bad. Bobby Abreu was a great player. Didn't know he was a great player. Couldn't, you know... Making this list, if it wasn't for Facebook, I'm not putting Bobby Abreu up there. But uh, looking into it, Bobby Abreu, 
Bobby Abreu, definitely, definitely underappreciated. Don't even think about Bobby Abreu. Think about Philly's all-time greats. What number do you hit Bobby Abreu at? Bobby Abreu leads a lot of categories or is top 10 in a lot of categories. So he has to be up there, right? We'll see. Here's a name I liked. I always feel tackles are unappreciated, guards are unappreciated, linemen. Jason Peters, the bodyguard, right? He was definitely appreciated. John Runyon. Um, he was with the Eagles for nine seasons. 2000 to 2008. Uh, Pro Bowl selection in 2002. Voted offensive MVP in 2005. Right? Runyon played through injuries his whole career, right? And this is... What was his number? Oh, yeah, that was his number. 144 consecutive starts. 144 consecutive starts in the NFL as a lineman. One of the toughest jobs, getting beat up every play. 144 games in a row. Definitely underappreciated. Um, do I think he's a top five underappreciated? No. I definitely think Howard, McNabb... Looking at a Abreu stats. Um, but I, I'll tell you. And then let's get to it. Claude Giroux is the most underappreciated Philly athlete of all time. Not only by Philadelphia, who claims that this guy doesn't score enough goals. As a playmaker, he doesn't score enough goals. He's not a goal scorer. He's a playmaker, right? But the city of Philadelphia constantly wanted to trade Giroux. He's not it. He's not good. He doesn't score. No, he doesn't do this. Let, let me let me tell you Claude Giroux's numbers, okay? Now, and if you know the sport of hockey, you're not always going to be a goal scorer. You're a facilitator. Claude Giroux is a facilitator. Get him a goal scorer on his line, right? That's how, Remember when Yager was on the Flyers and he had all those goals? Remember when Briere was a Flyer? You know, you know who assisted them? Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux is only one of four players to have 700 points in the last decade. Four players have had 700 points. Let me name the other three. Sidney Crosby, probably the second greatest hockey player besides Wayne Gretzky. Ovechkin, the greatest scorer the game has ever seen. And Patrick Kane, which that name just, oh, God, Michael Layton, five-hole. Patrick Kane, game six. Oh, God. Um... But three players are on the three players are on the top line, right? And that that's that's Crosby, Ovechkin, and Kane. The fourth was Claude Giroux, right? He wasn't even named. NHL did. Who's your best forwards of the decade? You get four lines. You get twelve players. Who is your best? Claude Giroux didn't make it. That's not even a Philly thing. That's a league wide thing. That's a universe thing. Claude Giroux was that overlooked as a player that he wasn't even named to the NHL All-Decade team. How can you look at me with a straight face and tell me someone with 222 goals, 490 assists, and 712 points, who is also the assist leader, he led the league in assists for the whole decade combined, isn't on a decade team? How? I think the the underappreciation starts with us, but I think it's also 
he's playing in air with two of the greatest hockey players of all time. Crosby, Ovechkin, definitely two of the greatest hockey players. And he's playing almost trying to keep up with them. He's not going to keep up with Crosby in points. And you're not going to keep up with Ovechkin in goals. So it makes Giroux look less. But in the city, we know what this guy has done. We remember the Crosby hit. He took the face off, hits Crosby, takes the puck, scores one of the greatest moments in playoff hockey, right? But what, why do we, yeah, I like Eric Lindros. I think Eric Lindros was great and he was dominant, right? Drew was better than Lindros. Stat-wise, Drew was the top four in a decade. We, we, we seem to, to forget what, how good these players are with Ryan Howard, with Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux is still mid-30s. What is he, 32, 33? He still has like five years left in hockey. Hockey players play forever. Is he starting to decline? Yeah, but he was starting to get hot at the end there before the, the season was cut short. I think Claude Giroux is the most underrated, underappreciated athlete in Philadelphia history, and I think his stats prove it. Fourth. Fourth in points for a decade. Assist leader of the decade. Do we talk about Claude Giroux? I don't think enough. Um, I know Flyers fans appreciate him. You know, I, I know there's people who love Claude Giroux, but for, for a league not to put him in all-decade team, asinine. Stupid. All right, now, um, man, I went a little bit longer than I thought. This one-man show thing. I need a water or a beer or a vodka, but we'll get get to questions, all right? Every episode at the end, I'll be answering your questions until I go live where I'll be answering your questions on air. Um, Let's take the questions. Who do you think the Eagles will draft number one, or will they trade away picks for a free agent? Uh, Or I guess for a... Trade-away picks for a trade, like an OBJ. Um, I think they really like this uh, Rugskin uh, from Bama. If we're trading anything, we're trading up to get him. You got to trade him. You got to trade to 13. So I think you got to give up probably your pick in a third rounder to get there. Maybe a second rounder for next year and, and this year's first. Um I think that's the answer. I think I think they're going to do that, especially looking. I mean, Anderson's a free agent. Robbie Anderson. You haven't even talked to him. Emmanuel Sanders. These are all guys that are better than the receivers we have. Haven't talked to him. Let's see what happens. Um, will having a catcher as your leadoff batter affect the ability to be the best catcher in the game? I don't know. I don't think so. I think Real Muto's fine. Um. It actually gives him more rest if you think about it. He doesn't. He gets to hit, and then he gets at least two innings unless they go on a tear to 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 not hit. Um, I also think it's good because when you turn over the lineup, he's a guy with pop in his bat. I don't think it will affect his defensive game yet. I think eventually all catchers' knees go. Joe Maurer. Um, not everyone's going to be chooch back there for years, but I think Real Muto. Here's the thing, and I'm going to cover it on the next show. I don't know what the, the Phillies are doing. You're gonna lose Real Muto because he wanted twelve million a year and you settled arbitration for ten. Just sign the guy. Give him twelve million a year for five years. What do you just pay the guy? Best catcher in baseball, pay him. I don't know what they're doing. I think they're playing Russian roulette, but I don't think that uh, it will affect him. No, I think he's too good of a ball player. Um if the NHL season picks up 
back where from where it was. It picks back up. Will the Flyers still have enough momentum to make a run, or did this low kill them? Uh, if 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 hockey gets back up this low, um, it's a new season. I think they'll have a little bit of that confidence, but if you ever played sports, even if you played high school or little, you know that feeling of momentum. You know that feeling of just having that confidence, that swagger. And I think the Flyers had that as a young team. I think this hurts them more than it helps them. I think they're getting hot at the right time. I think that if they start this league back up even next month, it's not the same Flyers team. Hopefully it is. I think this kills everyone's momentum. So I think it's a new season and nobody knows what happens in a new season. While the NBA is on break, will Joel Embiid take time to get in shape or fall apart? And hurt the team's chances of a championship run. I don't think this team has a chance at a championship run. Um, I love the Sixers. I'm an Embiid fan. I like Simmons a lot. I did. I don't like the Al Horford signing. I don't think they have enough. I don't think they have a third. Harris is a good player. Um, I like Harris, but he's not Butler, right? Harris can score, but he it's not going to score forty. They don't have that that star to put put points up. They need a score. I just I. That's the thing with the Sixers. I don't get it. They don't have a scorer. And then they signed Al Horford, who last year shot 208 threes for the season with Boston. And this year, I think he's over 230, 240 with the Sixers. Don't shoot threes, Al. They want to have him play outside. No, you you got him so you could give Embiid a little bit of load management. But Embiid's playing at the three-point line because Ben Simmons can't shoot. The problem is Brett Brown. Um, I'm not really worried about Embiid's conditioning. Um, Embiid looked great when he came back, and then the league stopped. But... I'm not really worried about Embiid. Uh, I'm not worried about the shapes Embiid is in. I think he he played fine this year. I think, you know, I think he's not aggressive enough. And I think that has nothing to do with his conditioning. Um, and I think the load management has nothing to do with his conditioning. I think Joel would be able to play more if they would um, just let him. Uh, I'm more scared about Ben Simmons' back injury. Uh, I'm glad that there's a lull right now so Ben Simmons can get healthy because I feel like Ben Simmons would have been out for the season. We'll see what happens. But I'm worried about the Sixers. Ben's hurt. Tobias is a good player. He's not an all, he's not an all star. He's not great. Joel, he's getting low in management. He's coming off an injury. Josh Richardson was hurt. What do we got? I don't think we have a championship team here in Philadelphia. Um, I don't think Al Horford. The money we're paying him. I don't think he's paying dividends. I don't think they're they're going to make a championship run. I think they're going to be what they are, and that's a fourth or fifth seeded team. I don't think they can hang with the Bucks. I don't think they can hang with the Raptors. I don't think they can hang with the Celtics. You're not going to get past any of those three teams. You're not winning the championship. I'm sorry, especially if you go to the West and you have to play the Lakers. Lakers will mop the floor with the Sixers. Um, and that is it. That is the show, the debut edition of the WizWit Podcast. I want to thank you guys all for tuning in again. Sorry I went so long. It's about a 50-minute show, which is a lot longer than I thought. You can follow me at... Wizwit Pod on all social media. Make sure you drop some questions. Even if you've read them on my personal Facebook, if you're a friend, please, guys, show friends from Philadelphia about this. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to start segmenting the show a little bit, but tonight I wanted to cover the free agency, the Phillies, and the most underrated athlete. I think the third segment will always be something fun. Eventually, I'm going to do a greatest Philadelphia athlete bracket where it would be like a March Madness-type style tournament. I have a lot of ideas for this. I cannot wait to go live. I think once I go live, we'll be more interactive, and it's not just me rambling on. I'll get to actually answer questions and talk to you live. I want to thank you guys again so much for tuning in to the Wiz Wit Podcast. <laughs>